Are you sending direct mail? Is your phone ringing off the hook with motivated seller calls? If it's not, it's probably because you're not marketing. One of my favorite ways to reach motivated sellers is by using direct mail. And the reason is, is I can target those who may have recently got a divorce or who have inherited a property from a death um, and so on and so forth. I can also target high equity. I can target absentee owners. And it is a tried and true way to get your message out. And more importantly than that, to get your phone ringing. I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail so you can see the exact mail provider that I use. I want to share them with you. They do letters and postcards. Letters as low as 59 cents and postcards as low as 39 cents. Mike and I send hundreds, if not thousands of postcards and letters to motivated sellers in our market every single week. Reason is, is because it works and we are going to continue to send direct mail because it works. So if you're not using a mail provider already, we want to share with you the company that we use. And they will hook you guys up with special pricing. Mention David Dodge or Mike Slane when you contact them. Go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail to get more information. Welcome to the Discount Property Investor Podcast, where we show you how to buy real estate at a discount so you can create wealth over time and income today. Our mission is to share what we have learned from the experience of others and help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate, the Discount Property Investor way. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. We're happy to be with you here today. My name is David Dodge. I'm one of your hosts. Also sitting with Mr. Mike Slane. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Co-host. Mike, how you doing today, buddy? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, you know, we're just... Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be talking about what we're talking about today. We're talking about... I'm really, like, I'm really excited just to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story, isn't it? I it guess is. uh, at home you're not allowed to that much. I don't know. You get uh, shut down by the wife or uh, whatever it is. That's you know? right. Uh, what anyway, are you talking about today, man? Well, we're going to talk about um, basically business structure. Business so, structure. And this okay. is something I honestly, I feel like we are still in the thick of we as are. a company, which we is sure why are. which is why I'm excited to talk about it. Um, so anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Let's do a little bit of the housekeeping first. Uh, if it's your first time joining us, we'd encourage you guys to go check out the first 10 episodes. There you're going to learn the most about how to get started in wholesaling. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really the, the outline to... Uh, to get started, yeah, we put together a whole free course on it at mm -hmm. freewholesalecourse.com. Uh, there, like we said, you can get all the documents and everything you're going to need to get started in yeah in it's, wholesaling. It's full blown course, guys. Yeah, it's so awesome. go check that out first, uh, and then yeah, let's dive into the topic today. So, so we titled the episode "Like a Boss," like a boss, because we're talking about business structure. And Dave and I, um, you know, some days I feel like the boss day, or some days I feel like a boss. Some days I feel like I'm lost. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm lost all the time, but I try to be a boss. Yeah. So right. so let's talk about your business. Um, we'll talk about uh, when you're getting started in real estate, when do you go full time? Mm-hmm. And from my personal experience, I probably would not follow what I did because I literally just quit my job and said, screw it. I got money. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to go learn to to wholesale real estate. You saved up a little bit of cash yeah, to be able to, to cover your bills for a few months. Honestly, I would not recommend that. Okay. Why not? What I would recommend Why is... Why not, though, Mike? That's, I just want to ask. Okay. So the main reason is I believe that losing that W-2 income mm, prior, to, great point. prior to buying the 10 or 15 rentals right. slowed me down, I'd say, several years. Yeah. Uh, if I would have kept the job and learned to wholesale on the weekends mm-hmm. and then applied for loans and use that money to leverage out the money yeah, the w- i'd be w2 income helps tremendously right i'd be several years further ahead in my investing career right so okay. again i get it i mean again it's not a, not it. a huge deal but i think it's it's very important because you're not bankable so until you prove that your company is making money banks don't want to they don't want to loan to you yeah so i would again i was not interested in they are exactly they aren't interested in loaning so i would recommend keeping it until you can show that your uh side hustle is profitable and maybe making at least as much as your day job uh for at least two two years tax returns two, two years tax returns. and then i would make the jump to full time because you're still probably bankable at that point right Right. So that that would be my recommendation for most guys. Yeah. Uh, so Dave, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, well, when, when I, I, you, you know what? When should you go? You full brought time? up a really good point that I I don't even think that I had considered. You know, re, at least recently. So that, that's a great point. You know, however, um, Jimmy in, in one of our recent episodes, he talks a lot about stri- like your strike price, mm-hmm. and then that, I think that's just kind of a. I, I don't really know, know if I like that terminology, but like essentially, it's I like to call it your freedom number. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, strike price, freedom number. But essentially what that means is how much money do you need to live off of, okay? And, and we're not talking about being able to take vacations and like live above your means, but like what are your means? You know, like your mortgage, your, your car payment, your insurance, you know, food, small entertainment budget, you know, so on and so forth. How much money do you need to live? Is that number two grand? Is it 3,500? Is it five grand? What's your number? And once you can get to a point in any, not even wholesaling, but any business that is generating that amount of money, that to me is when you should go full time because you essentially have created a freedom. You've created uh, financial freedom in terms of either passive income Mm -hmm. or generating income via your business. So and I shared that thought right. and I I shared that thought when I quit my job right because that's what I did I basically paid off a lot you, of my debt you had a lot and of I had a little a little bit of income coming in and I was a bachelor so my freedom number was low it was low you know I mean a thousand bucks a month and I could live off of it I live off of it so right. I mean that, it's it's literally I mean a couple rental properties guys it's no big deal right. um, so but yeah but you, again you like bring I up said, a very good point though Mike like, like I said had I had I, I to income. do it over again mm-hmm. I would have kept the job I would have just again muttered through it and <laughs> done it, done it part time maybe it would take me a full year before i even learned to wholesale more successfully right. uh but again it's just it's that hindsight's 2020 so my recommendation guys is maybe hang on to that day job or cut it back to part time because that w2 income is is a is an asset that you may not realize yeah it really is it yeah. really is the so, only downside though to not jumping in full time guys is it's going to take you a lot longer 
to absolutely to become a pro and become an expert at it and it, it can be discouraging so there's definitely that fine line where you need to balance you know you, you know I always say consistent persistent action if you have consistent persistent action in anything that you do you're gonna you're gonna be successful but you just can't you can't give up on it you know by jumping in full time and I did the same thing Mike. Mm-hmm. we both we both jumped in it took us several months to do our first deal both of us um, because you know we were learning, we didn't know what to do. We were buying courses. How long did it take you? Analysis, paralysis, uh, at least three months. Okay, at least. Yeah. Maybe bringing the average down. I'm bringing it up. It's it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe three and a half. Sure. You know, but I hired a coach, mm-hmm. and you know, within within hiring that coach, within within two or two and a half weeks of hiring that coach, I did a deal, and I did a, I did another deal the next week, and I did another deal the next week, and I've done a deal every week since then. You know, so hiring a coach is definitely super important. Let's talk. Let's get back on topic a little. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I uh, I just no I'm really excited to talk yeah, about yeah, totally. uh, business structure and kind of how we have our company set up. I'd love to share some of let's, that let's with talk the about listeners. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, some some different topics. So when to go when to go full time? We kind of covered that. Mm-hmm. Covered that. Um, taxes. Taxes are a big, big, big part of business structure, guys. Um, if you're not aware of this, I'd like to make you aware of this, but. The single largest expense in your life is his taxes, like it or not, and and that's for every single human on the on the planet. That's not true. Mine is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, just kidding, Katie. I love you. That's funny. No, but honestly, though, guys, taxes are the biggest expense that you will pay, and you might, you may or may not know that. But look at your paychecks. If you're a W two employee. Look at how much money is taken out of your check every month without your control. Yeah, and then you get a refund at the end of the year, which is some of that money back. Some, but that's, not that doesn't quite even a portion. A God, it's portion. been a long time since I've looked at it because it just drives me crazy. But it's like your your actual tax rate is like fifty percent when you look at your sales tax on any all purchase, of your taxes. All guys. of your taxes, it's not combined. just the taxes that come out of your paycheck. Right, there's a ton of taxes. You have taxes. You have you have um, yeah. So there's income tax. Income tax. Then your sales tax. Sales tax. Personal property tax. Personal property tax. Real estate tax. Real estate tax. Uh, Inflation, which is hidden tax. Uh, hidden taxes. Yeah. Reading the Jekyll or the creature from Jekyll Island. Right. I assume. I am. Mm-hmm. Sure am. Yeah. But yeah, essentially your effective tax rate. When That's you, what it was. When you consider all ever all things considered, it's almost half, if not quite. Yeah, half. I can't if, remember. If what, not half. Is that what it is? It's like 50 yeah. I mean, think about it. You go to the store and you buy a, a coffee. You know, and coffee is a dollar. You don't pay a dollar. You pay a dollar seven. Mm-hmm. You pay seven cents on top of that dollar. Yeah, and then what's the one on to buy that coffee? That's right. seven cents that you don't get back. And not only did you pay a dollar seven, but you had to earn a dollar fifty to get the dollar. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and then so think about the coffee person too. That business they had to pay taxes on all their stuff, so they have to mark that into their profit. Oh, into taxes! Their cost I mean, as well. it's half, guys. It, it is. It's, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. But and excise tax. I was talking about alcohol oh, yeah. and tobacco. Excise tax. Yep. They just sneak them in and gas fuel tax and fuel. Yeah, yeah. They right. sneak it in there. There's taxes so, on everything. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. We love taxes. But one of the biz, one of the advantages of real estate, guys, is, is and or are taxes. Well, it's one Did of I the, say that right? That confuse you? I was you trying can, to confuse. It's close you. enough. We'll just move on. <laughs> so that's the other right. advantage to owning a business too is right. that there are ways to. That's true. Business deep. ownership and real estate, two great tax shelters, tax avoidances, 
um, tax you know benefits. Right. There's ways to, to minimize your taxes. So we are not experts on that. We are not. And every state is different. Every state so is different. So don't necessarily want to get too in depth on that. Other than consult with a CPA. I think and that's just the no, best and just thing. be aware that taxes are your biggest expense. If you aren't aware of it, now you are. You know, it's it's crazy. But yes, as Mike said, we're not you know tax or financial planners or advisors. Consult with your CPA. But one of the well, best in- business advantages, or one of the best advantages of being a business owner, especially one that deals with real estate, is that you can cut your effective tax rate in half, if not down into a third or even a quarter mm-hmm. of what you would typically pay, you know, with your nine to five job. Yeah. It's super important. Um, So that said, uh, I lost my train of thought. Taxes, you don't want to pay them. (laughs) Well, you want to pay them within the confines of the law. Yeah, you want to avoid paying. You want to pay as little as possible. So here's just a quick quote. I know we're kind of expanding on this, but I'm going to just sum it up real quick. But, you know, the tax law, okay, essentially is thousands, tens of thousands of pages, guys. It's, It's actually pretty crazy. How, how how much law there is in regards to taxes. But here, here's, here's the point of this though. Only between one and 2% of all the tax law tells you when and how much and where you have to pay your taxes to. The other 98 to 99% are ways to avoid taxes. Mm-hmm. Did you know that, Mike? I did. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So by having a good CPA, and again, we're not telling people to break the law and not pay your taxes. That's not the, that's not the point here. But the point is, is that if you if you if you know what you're doing with business and with taxes, and especially with real estate, there are legal ways to avoid paying taxes, reduce your tax liability, and essentially, you know, if you have real estate and you pass away and and you leave that to heirs. They don't have to pay any taxes on it. So there are ways to essentially legally well, avoid taxes completely. So it resets the... The basis the steps base, up. Yeah. So yeah. It, it is essentially not paying taxes, but it... Yeah, you're, it, you're avoiding it. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a great so, strategy. Moving on. T- so taxes are... are let's talk about structuring the business, though. Right. So again, taxes are a huge part of it because it makes something that's not necessarily super profitable profitable because right. you're not or paying. vice versa right <laughs> <laughs> right right exactly right so get a C- get a cpa to help you set it up and continue educating yourself on it as well right. and be aware of all the benefits that are out there for somebody who is investing in real estate right. so that's and, another and, reason and, why we love and you're rentals. gonna you're gonna spend money on your cpa guys you know spoiler alert it's, you're gonna spend <laughs> you're gonna spend money on your cpa i think last year i maybe paid my cpa between four and five grand but you know what though? She probably saved me twenty grand, if not thirty grand. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about. So it's like you know you're, you're going to spend a little bit of money on these people, but at the end of the day, you know you're getting that back five times. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't be afraid to go sit down with the CPA, especially if you are a business owner or a real estate owner. You know, and just one more one more thing about this: if you are a real estate investor, find a CPA who's a real estate investor. Because again, there's 10,000 pages of tax code. And if they're a real estate investor, you're, you can be pretty damn sure that they're gonna really study those particular pages and find all the loopholes that they can mm-hmm. 
to, to avoid those taxes. Yeah, so, so let's talk a little bit about our business then. Yep, so absolutely. our business, how we're structured. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we don't want to give too much uh, information away, but we want to give Our EIN so, number is. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we're an LLC, and then we've elected to be taxed as, I think, an S-Corp. Right. Uh, again, through the guidance of our CPA, sure. and we encourage you to do the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? So, But there are different types of corps. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with all of them, and I don't even know which one's right. What I wanted to talk about with ours, though, is Dave said he, you know, he paid his tax uh, person, you know, significant amount of money. We actually have an in-house bookkeeper at this point, mm-hmm. uh, part time, but we've got somebody who does all that stuff for us because, quite frankly, we don't want to be dealing with entering in stuff to QuickBooks or learning QuickBooks for that matter. Right. Like I don't right. want to do that, so we have a bookkeeper. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, the rest of our team, like mm. kind of how we built it and how we've structured it, uh, Dave. And I and the other two partners, so there's four partners in our, in our operation. You met them in episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came together and we said, you know, we're all pretty much equals. We're going to go do some wholesaling. And that's really how it started. Right. Uh, what we've added to that dynamic since mm-hmm. then is first we added uh, one virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. So somebody out in the Philippines answers all of our phone calls for us, our incoming phone calls for us, and then mm-hmm. books appointments for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next, uh, I guess, hire you could say was somebody here locally mm-hmm. an office assistant and our closing coordinator that mm-hmm. was our next step yeah essentially she was an office assistant to start and we and she morphed into uh, being our i shouldn't say assistant office manager mm-hmm. and then she um she morphed into being our closing coordinator and she's been doing a fabulous job with it and well uh, it was a full-time job and it we was. just we weren't treating it like it and again right. we needed somebody that could Hey, what do we have closing today? How much money do we need? What do we, yeah, I mean, just all, all that stuff. Yeah, just and, just, track and just talking with the buyers and the sellers because, you know, Mike and myself and other partners, we're busy working on the business um, as well as in the business, and we're running appointments. It's hard for us to run those appointments, you know, as well as, you know, follow up with the seller or the buyer on a deal and make sure that they're going to be at the closing table. Yeah, so how's that look for it's us? It's a full-time job, keep coordinating closings. And how that looks for us then once we have the contract in place with the seller, we basically hand it off to the closing coordinator who then calls him and says, introduces herself and says, hey, I'm, the, I'm taking over from here on out. I can be your liaison, liaison uh, between the title company until we get it closed. Right. And she, and she also helps marketing to sell, buy, to, mm-hmm. to sell the deal to buyers too. So she, she actually wears quite a few hats, but she's yeah. doing a really good job with it. Yeah. Very, very impressed with her. Yeah. So then our next kind of uh, addition to the team, or and this was congruent as mm-hmm. well, was we've got what we call junior buyers or JV buyers. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of leads coming in and we work you know, as many appointments as we can, but then we also send out other people. We send them leads and say, hey, if you get this under contract, we'll partner with you on Back the- to the JV. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're often busy running appointments and sometimes we have more leads that come in that we can handle. Um, and so, yeah, like Mike said, we have we have people in the field that that you know will essentially go out and meet those people for us. They'll determine the ARV. They'll help negotiate those deals. They do and a lot of it. They yeah. do all of it. Yeah. Essentially, they'll bring us a contract, and then um, from there, you know, we'll start marketing that property. And if we're able to wholesale it, or maybe we buy it, either way, we pay them. Um, a commission is the wrong word because. Um, for the legality, we, we have a joint venture. Legality purposes, yeah. we have a joint venture agreement, and we'll essentially pay them a marketing fee or a finder's fee, mm-hmm. 
and they invoice us and we we pay them so yeah. it's it's a win-win so again that team was kind of is being uh it's constantly being built because people kind of come in and, and it's constantly go. It's, growing too. it's basically a um, you know it's like a sales job i mean that's right. what uh wholesaling essentially is a sales job you eat what you kill right uh so a lot of people you know come and go and we help train people and there are mm-hmm. our our partners right. essentially uh and next step i guess we added a, a second va Right. We've added, we added a third VA recently, but, but the next step, we mm-hmm. added a second VA. So our our first virtual assistant, he's a rock star. We love him. He's been mm-hmm. with us for, I guess, two years now, or with me for two years, and the company for probably about one and a half or so. Um, but he is, he's a rock star. He essentially handles all of the inbound um, seller, motivated seller calls and leads. Mm-hmm. So... We've actually taken it one step further in all of our direct mail. Um, it doesn't say call Dave or call Mike. It says call Dennis. Dennis is our point of contact. When this number right here mm. rings Dennis's phone, okay? If please you're, if please you're, don't call him. Yeah, if you're looking on YouTube, <laughs> you're not going to be able to see this on audio. But if you're looking, so that's our main company. Yeah, he's line. busy, man. He, he's, he's a hustler. Busy. He's a hustler. Yeah. But essentially, you know, Mike and I don't answer the phones at this point because we've built a business. So if you're new to the business, answer the phone. We've said this before many, many, many times. But Well, and that can be in many different capacities, though. So answer the phone to us now means we have someone. Somebody to answer on the phone. Right. We have an answering service 24 hours a day, though. So when Dennis is Somebody's gone, answering the phone. The phones get answered. Right. 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 It's very important. Yeah, but, but he, he takes all of the inbound calls. And then in his free time, he essentially is following up because again, guys, I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again. The money is in the follow-up. So when the motivated seller calls in and they say, hey, I got this property, but you know, it's worth 60 and I owe 58 on it. Well, that's not a deal, guys. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket science to know that that's not a deal. Um, but you know, maybe that seller's willing to come to the table with some cash just to get rid of it and they're not willing to do it today, but in nine months from now or nine weeks from now, they are. So you gotta continue to follow up. So he is essentially dealing with the sellers and the follow-ups. Right, so then our second VA. Our second VA. We hired with the intent to help with a lot of office stuff, yada, yada, mm-hmm. well, we eventually split him off and now he answers all of our buyer, our buyer's calls. Buyer side calls. Uh, so and he's, he's in charge of marketing the deals mm-hmm. amongst our closing coordinator. They both kind of worked that together. But he posts those properties to Craigslist like every every single day because I get the emails every day. He does a great job, and he's he's becoming a rock star himself. Um, he posts these properties to Facebook for us. He posts them to local websites. There's a couple local websites in St. Louis that investors um, will allow you to post properties to. Um, he actually edits our podcast he for us too. Edits the podcast thank for you, us too. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel <laughs> Daniel's killing it. Um, but also the most important thing that he does is we have two different phone numbers. We have a phone number for the motivated sellers, and then we have a phone number that we use to market the properties to our cash buyers or our buyers. And when those buyers are interested in a new property that we have, they call a different number that he answers. And essentially he goes into our system um, and he looks at the property and he tells, you know, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Cash Buyer, you know, we this property is still available. You know, we're asking this price for us for it. However, it's always negotiable. You know, so make us an offer. And if, would you like to see the property? Great. We have a lockbox on it. 
all I need from you is your name, your number, and your email address, or you know whatever information he can capture from them. And then he sent he gives them the lockbox. Right. Code. If they're not in our system already, if they're already in, should, then he just should, most gives of them it, will be. And he logs it into our system. Who's yeah. interested in the property? But one thing I do want to mention um, is lo by logging in, everybody that either calls in or emails about a property is super super important, guys. Because if you do a price drop, so let's say you have a property. Doesn't even matter what you paid for it or what you're asking for, but let's say you have a twelve thousand dollar markup on it, and you're marketing it for a week or two, and you just you don't have any offers and you have very low interest. Let's say a couple people had called, but you're just really really motivated to sell it, you know, and you drop the price to where your your spread goes from twelve to six. So essentially, you're saying, you know, six thousand dollar price drop. Well, instead of having to redo all those efforts of marketing that property. You can have, in our case, Daniel, our virtual assistant, just call the people that were already interested in the property and just say, hey, you know, what'd you think? Well, guess what? We're really motivated to sell. We just lowered the price by $6,000. And I don't know, 40, 50% of the time when he does that, we, he gets a contract on the property. Mm -hmm. So, and we're happy to share these ideas. I actually, um, I feel like we have a, you mentioned in one of the previous episodes, let's go wholesale. And I wanted to make this comment and then. Let's make it. Is that, uh, you know, go, go do that in your market. Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. It's one of the things I feel like we come up with a lot of ideas in our market, and I see a lot of people follow us, which right. I think is a great thing to yeah. be kind of the in, one of the industry leaders here. So, like watermarking pictures, I was doing that mm -hmm. for anybody. The let's go wholesale thing, we did that. And now we've got a lot of people that, right. that are mimicking that. Uh, same thing. I've never heard anyone mention this: is that you need to log every buyer for that That's reason. That's a great point, man. I mean, you, you absolutely need to you log gotta it. Gotta log. In it. addition to just knowing who's going in and out of your properties, if something were to happen. And that's another great point too. If somebody goes in and vandalizes the property, and you've only had four people that you've given the lockbox code or one, it's going to be very simple to determine, who, you know, who did it. Now mm -hmm. they could have obviously given that code to somebody else. So, you know, but. If you've only given that person the code, one person or two people, it's gonna be very easy for you to determine, you know, who's responsible. We, That's a great point. Yeah. Great so let's point. back to our team though. So we've got now two VAs at this point. Uh, the next person that we hired was another local person. Mm -hmm. So we hired another person here locally to help with one of our partners, uh, one of his kind of side projects. He really needed a little bit more. And she's pivoted quite a few oh, times. She's doing Great work he brought her on a, a, essentially to kind of be an assistant, as well as she was doing some joint venture deals with us. She was kind of bird dogging in yeah. a way, you know, finding deals. We were we were giving her leads that she was working. Um, We've got an awesome team. We I do. mean, everyone on our team right. is a hustler, and yeah, she's one. Yeah, of them. but now she's she, now she's uh, she's a salaried employee, and 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 she's helping out with closing coordination. She's helping out with uh, with our funding business, and uh, we do a little bit of, of lending to two cash buyers essentially and or students um, but yeah she's 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 doing really really well yeah you and know? then so recently we added another VA we uh, did we have a third VA now and let's uh, let's keep the pace moving though so that's kind of our team the way our team's set up and just kind of has grown and evolved right. I mean we've got a lot of people it, mm -hmm. it feels like a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, because again we've got a lot of JV partners right. that uh, that definitely kind of evolved so Mike back to there. the business structure though you, mm -hmm. you have in your, in, on your on your list here you know to be an agent or not to be an agent yeah well, so a quick conversation about let's that let's just then. talk about that real quick so you you're know? a wholesale real estate investor you're building your business up um, that that's really the question is 
I mean, do you want to be an agent or not? Yeah. So I'm not an agent. Mike is. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously advantages to being an agent and not being an agent. So here's where I came from. So from solopreneur perspective, you've got to be able to pull comps. Jobbiest. And what's that? Jobbiest. A jobbiest. <laughs> an active jobbiest. Uh, so that's a jobby is one of my uh, jokes about being a real estate investor is mm -hmm. a jobby, guys. So single solopreneur, though. I needed to pull comps, and one of the ways that, you know, the only way you can pull comps is... The you, best way of pulling comps. Well, the only, the, yeah, you're right. The there's, best, there's way, to, the best way is to pull right. them from the MLS. So without being an agent, you can't do that unless you want to call an agent every time and say, hey, can you pull comps for this property? Uh, it, it becomes a bit of a headache, so I became an agent solely, solely for the purpose solely, I should say. of being able to pull comps. Right. As a wholesaler, that was the, that was my almost 100% intention behind becoming right. an agent. Mm -hmm. So I did, you know, I mean, again, it, it made and, sense for me. Yeah. And really, I, I recommend, you know, anybody that is going to, you know, wanting to really be serious in this business um, to, 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 to become an agent, because not only are you going to get access to the MLS, but you're going to learn a lot about, you know, the, the technicalities and the specifics of real estate. Um, me personally, I've I've studied for the real estate agent test three different times. Failed. No, I I I, 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 I went. And I'm took, teasing you. No, no, I went and took the test twice. I just never followed up to actually become an agent. I don't know why. I have no idea why. That's C funny. Call me lazy. Um, but one of the things that you can do if you're like me, that's not an agent, is you can find an agent like like Mike here, mm -hmm. and you can actually become an assistant to that agent. And for a small fee, in every MLS yeah, zone, like, yeah, every know, MLS zone is going to be a little different. But maybe maybe a hundred, hundred fifty bucks a year to become an assistant, and essentially you can get your own MLS. Right. Access. So if you've got a good friend who's an agent, you can ask them, you can ask "Hey, them. can I be your assistant? your assistant?" So that they can gain access to the. I mean, essentially gain access to the MLS, and then obviously right. there's. And it's a lot cheaper though, too. I mean, what's it cost to be an agent? Yeah, being probably an agent, fifteen hundred a year, maybe. Yeah, probably around that, give or take. Which I isn't, mean, isn't terrible, but you know, over ten years, that's fifteen k. Yeah. So again, I'm going to drop my license relatively soon because <laughs> we well at we this at all. this point, right. I mean, we have a brokerage. Right. We've got agents in house. I'll just be an assistant. Right. Or not. Right. I mean, I don't. I almost don't even need it at this point. Right. Um, and coming soon, you're not going to need it either. We're developing a product that's that is going to launch in uh, maybe when this is aired. Yeah, uh, we'll, couple, couple, let's, couple drop weeks. The, let's drop the bomb. Let's we'll, do it, let's man. Say it. Easy yeah. ARV. So we're developing a product mm -hmm. that's going to allow you to pull comps straight from the MLS. It's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to give you mm -hmm. yeah data just like you need as right. an investor. So again, I'm super excited about that. Look forward to here. Yeah, it's soon. going to be. It's really, really awesome. So we have a product already that we have up in the St. Louis market right mm -hmm. now, and essentially it scrapes the MLS and uh, it allows non-agents the ability to pull comps as if you were an agent. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's Absolutely really, awesome. Really, really good. Yeah, you guys are going to love it once we get it launched. Once we get it up and uh, relaunched, working on it, Working on it hard, though, guys. Yeah. It's going to be great. Hopefully, when this, when this publishes, hopefully it's out. I agree. Yeah. So to be an agent, not to be an agent. All right, anyway. Something so that you guys need to determine on your end. Obviously, there's pros and cons. One thing that I do want to mention before we move on from this topic is if you are an agent acting as an investor, just don't mm. forget that you need to disclose you know, let's say that, let, you know, let's That's say very, that, this is very, very important. Guys. It is. Yeah. So let's say that you, and this doesn't affect me, but I just know that this is a big rule. So let's say that you are an, you are an agent 
and but you're playing the you're wearing the investor hat that day and you're going out and looking at a property whenever you give that that seller a contract you need to make sure that you disclose to them that you are an agent however you are not there to represent them you are acting as a buyer and they're acting as a seller and essentially it's just one sentence Mm-hmm. That you need to add into your your sales contract. Yeah, that but it essentially says I am an agent. However, and it's for this reason: as an agent, you're held to a higher uh, responsibility, fiduciary duty, fiduciary uh, duty to your clients. So the thing is, if if someone says, "Oh, I thought you you were an agent," you told me, you know, or you didn't tell me you're an agent or whatever, I thought you were helping me or representing me, and then they get upset about it. You you could face some some trouble, some legal again, action. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not right. not good. So again. Right. That is extremely but it's, important. But Make it's sure very you easy to avoid. Just mm-hmm. just disclose to them, and I you can probably even do it verbally. You know, I'd get it in writing. Pro- if you... Probably get it in writing, mm-hmm. right? But just say, "Hey, I am an agent." However, I am not representing you. And that's it. It's that simple. Yeah, you know, and we I, put it on all of our marketing right. and yada yada. It is it is very important. Yeah, our marketing essentially says, you know, we are an agent or we're agents, and we have a brokerage, but we're not reaching out to you today to want to list your home. Like we, we could care less about that. We are reaching out to you because we want to buy your home, you mm-hmm. know. So, all right, moving let's on. Keep, yeah, man. What we do we get, got we, here? See, I told you this was going to be a great That's episode. Our, I love no, talking about lots this of good stuff. stuff in here. All right, so let's talk a little bit about risk management and insurance. insurance. So, when it comes to the business, uh, again, when you're first starting out, probably not quite as important. I know I carry just a, an umbrella policy mm-hmm. uh, when I started, and I think that's pretty much what we carry at this point too. We have uh, multiple. Multiple insurance policies. Yes. Yeah, we have we have an insurance policy like an umbrella on the business, um, but we also insure any property that we essentially purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, we we get a great rate because we're doing lots of volume, um, and essentially what we do is if well for one if we get a loan on the property we you have to have insurance period they're not going to lend you without without having insurance, but if we're just going to buy something for cash. Um, even if we're only going to be holding it for a couple days, uh, most of the time we will get insurance on it. Um, yeah, as a company, we decided that if we're going to put up fifty thousand or so, right, we don't want to risk that. Right. We now, don't. We don't want. If we buy something for ten or fifteen, and we know we're going to have it sold in a week, you know, we may not get insurance on it. But like as Mike said, if we're going to spend forty, fifty, sixty grand, two hundred grand, whatever. On a property, even if we only intend to hold it for a week, we still insure that property. And one step further, if we even if we buy a ten or twelve thousand dollar house or a seven thousand five hundred dollar house, right. we're going to get insurance on it if there's going to be someone living in it. And that's it's extremely important for the liability for, purposes. Exactly. Right. So we we almost always insure properties that we're right. holding. I mean, there'd be very very few exceptions to right. that. So I, you know, risk management is a very it's a very important principle to business structure. It's 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 super important. And one thing that I think people, um, I guess you, you could look at this both ways. But I don't look at is at insurance as a downside or a negative or, or really even as an expense. I look at it more. It is an expense, of course. But I look at it like it's an asset, not a liability. So you know, because in the event, in the event oh, that yeah. catastrophe happens, you know, you're covered. So yes, it is an expense. I worded that wrong, but it's not a liability. Insurance is what it, helps you sleep at night. It's an asset, yeah. right? And it's tax, dedu- it's tax deductible. Right. So every dollar, every penny that you spend on insurance is that much less money that, you know, you have to pay in taxes yeah, essentially, 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 you know, 
So it reduces, it reduces <clears throat> it in other ways. But. Let's talk a little bit about risk management and how we deal with that here. One of the things, so we do a lot of joint ventures and co-wholesales, mm -hmm. and one of the things that a lot of wholesalers or want to be wholesalers do is they'll go market other people's properties and they don't have anything in writing. They don't have any equitable interest in the property. And it just bugs me to no end. If you're going to do something, you've mm -hmm. got to get stuff in writing with people. Like you have to have a contract on a property to market it. You have to have an equitable interest in that property. So risk management. Yeah, we had a joker last week trying to market a property to us that he didn't even have under contract. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's a waste of people's time too. Right. Like it, it it's um, I don't know. So risk management. Make sure that you get stuff in writing with anyone you're working with, uh, joint venture partners. Uh, when you're using contractors, spell out what they're doing for you. Make it very clear that they're an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. um, back to taxes again. You've got a 1099 them uh, so that you can. Uh, They'll pay their tax at the end of the year, so you're not responsible for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty much all I've got. No, that's I great, know, Dave, though. you got anything else? No, on? I do. Just one, one more thing just kind of sum all this up, guys. Mm -hmm. But putting together the proper business structure, um, essentially, you know, to create an awesome wholesaling business, is it's, it's super important to, to kind of prepare for all this stuff in advance and set all this stuff up properly because, you know, if you want to have a successful wholesaling business, you want it to be a business. You don't want it to necessarily be a job. And unless you have a team that's built out to, you know, handle certain things, like we have people that handle in incoming calls for sellers and people that handle incoming calls for buyers and, and, and somebody that's that's in charge of closing coordination and another person that's in charge of funding the deals. You know, so by having a team, you you know, you you essentially become a business owner versus you trying to wear 15 hats and do all these different jobs you're essentially creating yourself a job and you know I hear this I hear this so often but a lot of people want to escape the nine-to-five job to become an entrepreneur because they want freedom but the downside or the side effect of that is they quit their nine-to-five job they become an entrepreneur because they want the freedom yet they have no freedom because they're working 80, 90 hours a week to, to make that entrepreneurial shift or jump a success. So, you know, they're essentially trading something with an outcome that they're hoping for that they get none of. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. I so, mean, you know, if you're wanting to jump into, you know, being a wholesaler or being an entrepreneur or, or owning any business, like I don't care if it's a tanning salon, you know, Make sure that you have your business structure set up properly so that way, you know, you're not just creating yourself a job. You're creating yourself, you know, a business that you own and run. Mm -hmm. So that's it. So, Mike, let's end it with a quotable quote. Awesome. This Go one uh, I think is kind of silly today. Uh, if you did something like a boss, you probably just paid someone else to do it. I love it. It's mm -hmm. about being a business owner, though. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.